Hello, welcome to a new episode of the Long Ball Premier League Preview Show. I'm John Townsend. And I'm Declan DeBarb. Today we're going to fly down to the south coast to discuss Brighton and Hove Albion. First up is the fan base mindset, and to help us, we are joined by We Are Brighton editor and Seagulls enthusiast Scott. Hello. Great to have you here, Scott. What is the overall feeling amongst Brighton supporters coming into the season? I think a lot of it hinges on what happens in, in the transfer window. If Brighton sign a striker, clinical centre forward, who can put the ball in the back of the net, we could push for the top 10. If we don't sign that sort of player, then we'll be in another relegation zone. It's pretty much dependent on what happens in the transfer market. I love how you mentioned the striker there. That's exactly what we wanted to come on to. The front three for Brighton have really struggled to get goals, but they haven't struggled to get chances. How do the XG Kings turn some of those chances into goals? And who do you see as the front three going into the next season? I think if you can keep Danny Welbeck fit, he will get you goals. He proved that, you know, he, he scored more goals from open play than any other Brighton player last season, despite the fact he probably missed maybe a third of the season injured. I think when you watch Neil Morpai play, you can see that he does a lot of good things, but he's not a centre forward. He's more of a second striker who brings others into the game, creates opportunities. If you rely on him to score you 10, 15 goals a season, it's not going to happen. Aaron Connolly just seems to have a whole host of off-the-field issues. He he broke lockdown last season to meet a random woman in a hotel room. I'm sure you can imagine what happened there, which obviously isn't good. And I think he needs a loan spell in the championship to rediscover a bit of form, to see if he's good enough, really, and, and to grow up a bit. So of the strikers we've got, Welbeck is probably the only one who has got the talent to get 10, 15 goals, but he won't be on the pitch enough to do it. You've mentioned the XG and it's just obscene, isn't it? I mean, Brighton finished 16th last season. If they lived up to the XG and take that into the expected points table, we could have finished as high as fifth, which is it's a mad gap. And it just shows what a difference that one player that we need could make. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was the third lowest conversion rate between actual goals and expected goals, only better than Fulham and Chelsea, who finished last. Sometimes you look at these XG stats and you think, oh, they're a bit funny or, you know, you, you don't know whether to believe them. But when you watch Brian with your own eyes and you see players missing open goals from two yards out, we missed two penalties in an hour against West Brom. There's no reason why we can't be pushing a lot, lot higher up the table. Are Brighton fans' understanding of their XG situation or are they starting to lose some faith in Graham Potter after finishing in 16th place last season? That's a really difficult question to answer because a lot of Brighton fans appreciate the fact that, you know, Potter isn't in charge of transfers. That's dealt with by the recruitment team. If they don't deliver him a striker, he's going to struggle to get us up the table. But at the same time, you look at our squad and you see players like Ben White, who's about to go for 50 million to Arsenal. You see Basuma, who is wanted by a host of top clubs in Europe. A player like Lamptey could be playing for a top six side. Sanchez in goal has been a revelation. You've got players like Lallana and Welbeck, 
who on their day are proven Premier League performers and you, you look at that squad and you think it should be doing better than 16. So we are in a very, very strange position whereby Potter should be coming under a bit of pressure but because he's not been given that centre forward people are understanding that that is what the difference is. So you ask yourself if he gets the centre forwards this summer and we're still fighting a relegation battle I think he will then come under a bit of pressure because you'll know that it isn't just down to the striker issue that we struggle. I don't think that will be the case. I think if we get a striker, the chances we create, the football we'll play will be fine. Do Brighton supporters believe that this team can push up the table? Is it just a striker that's holding them back or is there something else that has been preventing this? Because ever since Brighton came up, it's been, you know, relegation battle after relegation battle after relegation battle. You guys are relatively safe every year come the end of it. But throughout the middle of the season, you know, it's dicey business. Yeah, I mean, I think the past two seasons have been quite interesting because in 2019-20, you know, we won, I think we'd won two games out of 18 before lockdown happened and we looked like we were going to go down. Lockdown came in and Potter changed the way we played a little bit. He was having loads more possession. We became a bit more streetwise. We had less of the ball, but we did more with it. And in the last nine games, when we were one of the form teams in the league, we ended up miles clear of the relegation zone when before lockdown, it looked like we were in a world of trouble. Looking uh, at the back now, you know, you already mentioned Ben White. That's a big loss to lose. Arguably your most important centre back to a fee that is not insignificant. Do you think Brighton will bring in another centre back? And how does losing Ben White really affect that back line? I don't think it's going to be as damaging as a lot of people seem to think. I mean, Ben White is obviously a fantastic player, but we've got Lewis Dunk and Adam Webster who were just as good as him last season. We've also got Joel Veltman who had to spend most of last season playing at right wing back because of Lamptey's injury. So if Lamptey gets fit, Veltman can fill in his natural position as centre-back. That as a back three is pretty strong. We've also got a a young player called Leo Ostergaard who was on loan at Coventry last season. Earned rave reviews in the Championship, very much like White did at Leeds. If he comes in, he could make the step up. Dan Byrne obviously can come and do a job if necessary. That's five good centre-backs vying for three positions. If you're unlucky and you ended up with three injuries, you just switch to a back four for a couple of games and you've got enough strength in depth there to cope. So we've been linked with Nat Phillips from Liverpool for 15 million. I think it'd be a mistake for us to go and use like a third of that fee we're getting for Ben White on a centre-back when what we really need is, is a centre-forward. What is one of the more under-the-radar players in this Brighton squad that fans should be on the lookout for? This season, a lot of it hinged on whether Bissouma was sold or not. If Bissouma went, we we signed a young Ecuadorian called uh, Moises Casado last January. He was supposed to be one of the hottest properties in South American football. He's sort of a defensive midfielder, but he's a he can do it all really. You know, he's, he can get forward, he scores goals. He's a bit of a, a yaya Torre in that regard. And we didn't see anything of him once he signed again because you know he's 19 years old. He he would come to England. He'll have that six month adjustment period. But if Bissouma went, I would have expected him to come in and take. Basuma's place in the side so whether he is used as much will be interesting to see but he's certainly a player who everyone should be keeping an eye on We'll make sure to do that this coming season but thank you so much for coming on the show today Scott would you like to let the listeners know where to find you and where to find all the great work you do well, Thank you Scott yeah, for joining us today You can see our today. website at wearebrian.com yeah, and we are on we Twitter know what you did as at wearebrian so look at the transfer business fan, make Brian sure you conducted. go check them out and wow they got a player that's nerds love in Enoch Mwipi who has some insane advanced numbers 27 pressures per 90 3.6 tackles per 90 3.7 shots creating actions per 90 and those include fouls dribbles passes that leads to shots this guy is a monster all the way around offense defense no matter what i'm thinking day one he's probably going to be in the brighton starting lineup and i think he's so crucial at 
I don't know if you saw what he said in the press, but on one of his first interviews with them, he he said that he told Danny Welbeck that he's going to score more the most goals he's ever scored in his entire career because he's going to set him up so much. So the Zambian comes in with a lot of confidence. He was so crucial to Jesse Marsh's side uh, at Red Bull Salzburg. And I think that this is an excellent signing by Brighton. I think that, as you've already mentioned, he's a player who gets involved at both ends of the pitch. He's an excellent dribbler. He's such a smart footballer as well. And he's very, very versatile, which I think will be absolutely crucial to Brighton. Mm -hmm. Especially for survival in the Premier League, you need that type of dynamic midfielder who can take the ball from defense to offense and score. You need that type of box-to-box creator. That is what what a Nakamwepu looks like. And as well, have it, uh, Yves Basuma, somehow they've kept hold of him throughout this window. This Brighton midfield is going to be incredible. I totally agree. And I think the partnership there is going to be something that's crucial for Brighton. The Zambian played in six different roles across the whole midfield. And as I already mentioned, he was crucial to the pressing system, but he provides that creativity and option that I don't think Brighton really had last summer coming or last season, rather coming from the midfield and just wrecking shop. You know, they have Pascal Gross, who is that more creative midfielder, but you know, a slight drop in form last season. And I mean, Busuma himself is a very defensive player. So I think with Graham Potter's general attitude to football, a player like the midfielder from RB Salzburg will just flourish under the tutelage of Graham Potter. Mm-hmm. Now, they did have some outgoing players this window. They did sell Ben White to Arsenal. They did bring in 50 million though. So that 50 million can be spent wisely. Um, but before we get to how it could be spent, are they going to have the defensive replacements to cover up for that loss of Ben White? I think that that is a, a very important question coming into the season. I think the answer is only time will tell. I think it'll depend on um, how quickly Tyreek Lamptey can get back to full health, still battling some of those problems with his hamstring. And uh, Feltman is playing out wide. But they do, as mentioned in the interview we just did with Scott, that they have this young player called Leo Ostegard. He played at Coventry last summer, but he's been given some time in the preseason and looks really promising. We will get onto him a little bit later in into the show. But I think that the question of filling the hole that Ben White left is a big one and one that Brighton will will struggle with. Something else I was kind of driving me mad when I was looking at the team is they have no striker. Neil Mope could fill in at striker, but then they have no winger. They have they play a front three. But without three good attacking players, yes, I can bring in Welbeck, but I don't know if you're Premier League side, if you field Welbeck as this is going to be our main striker for the season, I think you're going to get relegated if that's the case. But in the past couple of days, and a peek behind the curtain for the listeners, we're recording this a few days prior to the deadline, just because we're doing doing all 20 teams, what do you want from us? But they have been linked with Otson Edouard from Celtic. And if they sign him, I don't even think it's a question of survival anymore. I think it's a question of how high they're finishing. I think if they sign Edouard, they're finishing mid-table. This is a guy for Celtic. In the past three seasons, he scored 15, 21, and 18 goals. And in that 21-goal season, he had 30 goal involvements in 27 games. This is a guy who is a proper target man striker. If he goes to, if he goes to Brighton, I think he's without a doubt getting double-digit goals immediately he's also he's also six like i saw uh he's listed as six one or six two 
that's a conservative six one six two. He he's a big guy too, so he'll be dominant in the, in the air as well. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, if it's and butts were candy and nuts, I I think that Brighton do need to bring a striker in, but that's neither here nor there. They they haven't done so yet. The the deadline is fast approaching. And I think without one, Brighton will be in some in some trouble once again. But that's as as we already mentioned, that's not Graham Potter's fault. He's not involved in the transfer business. I 100% agree. I'm 100% defend Graham Potter at all costs. I think he's a great coach. He's just been dealt a poor hand with the squad selection because you look at that front three. I have no idea who the three is going to be, which leads us to the 11 where we're going to be breaking down the starting lineup for Brighton and. Declan, do you have any ideas? You know, I think that that is the big question coming into the season. You do have Neil Morpai and Trossard, but I, you already mentioned that you don't really think that you can rely on Danny Welbeck. I don't think you, can, you can't rely on Danny Welbeck because of his form, because he had a great season last. The problem is he's hurt all the time. And I don't think that you can plan your team around a player who's going to miss 40% of minutes available throughout the season. It's just not tenable. So that is the big question for Brighton coming into the season. I'm so confused as to what the problem is uh, down on the South Coast. The Seagulls had one of the best expected goals in the entire division, but could not convert on any of them. And so the problem clearly is up front, but also, if they're generating these opportunities, the problem isn't up. They just can't seem to bury it. They were snake bitten last year. And if you look at the uh, expected goals table, they were a top five team. So I am confused by Brighton. They're a team that, that I've always had a soft spot for. And I think that they have a lot of potential. Grand Potter is a really, really good coach and he knows what he's doing, but he couldn't buy a goal last season. And I think this front three has to start cashing those checks. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. With last season, the big problem being the expected goals, how they were creating those chances, they just couldn't convert. That screams buy a striker, but at this point, they have not bought a striker. They could buy Edouard, which is what I'm screaming from the heavens, but at this point, they haven't bought a striker. So some of the options that they could throw in up front is Aaron Connolly, who is a promising striker, but he's never performed at the Premier League level. He performed excellently in the Premier League 2, which is the the reserves Premier League table. But he just hasn't found the back of the net often enough to be a Premier League striker. We've also mentioned Danny Welbeck uh, already. I think you're a lot higher than him than I am. But they, they need to figure out something. But something that I think Grand Potter should try this upcoming season. Play with the front two of Trossard and Mopai. Just see if it works, because especially if Mopai is the kind of lead striker with Trossard tucking in a little, a little bit behind him or more of a, a false nine type of role, like you're, you're the creator striker, I think that they could solve a lot of their issues as well by continuing to have that back three, putting putting Lamptey, getting him to run forward, whether it's Marsh or whoever they want to put at left back get him to run forward as well. You could still have that midfield three, but just playing with a front two, I really want to see how that Brighton team would would function. I agree, but I think that, you know, three at the back with the wing backs is central to how Brighton both attack and defend. If you look at the way that Brighton attacked, they really focused on long balls, quick transitions, and a lot of crossing and width within their team. And I think that Trossard had a really good link up on the right with Tyreek Lamptey and allowed him to find a lot of space in behind and 
create a lot of those opportunities. And I don't think you have that with, with four at the back and three in midfield, though I do see Impuemu really coming in and only adding to Graham Potter's philosophy of direct balls. He was a direct ball merchant at uh, Salzburg, whether he was playing them or on the receiving end. He's a really smart player. He has great spatial awareness and just finds the ability to drift in and out of marking really well. So I think he only adds to that and finding a space for him in the starting lineup will be crucial. I don't think it's a bad idea to try two up top, but I think that Brighton need to continue on, especially if Graham Potter is to continue to push the style that has worked for him. I I will die on the hill. The Graham Potter style worked for him, regardless of the finishing position last season of with, and you need that. And three at the back provides that it, it just does. It's, a very flexible uh, setup that allows you to be either very aggressive by pushing those wing backs high up the pitch or be a little bit more conservative and pull it back and maybe play five at the back rather than three at the back. Mm-hmm. And while they had such a struggle to get goals offensively, defensively, they held up. They finished with the the seventh best goals against, only conceding 46 in 38 games. But you can also make the argument that now that they've lost Ben White, could that number go way up? I don't think it would. I think Ben White is a great centre-back, but I think that the system he was playing in really helped him. And I, this is such a defensively sound team that their goalie, Robert Sanchez last year, I think really saved them and kept this team up. I think he showed out last year. He earned a call-up to the Spain team for the Euros. And I think I think he's actually the kind of key to this Brighton defence. I would agree. Him and Eve Basuma, I think, were the two most important. And I want to touch on Basuma just a little bit here because he's a defensive mastermind. He's a rock in midfield, a solid ball-winning defender who doesn't really dwell on the ball and allows that quick transition. He wins the ball back. He's one of the best tacklers in the division. And he also allowed Ben White to roam a little further forward, as we explored a little bit uh, in our Arsenal episode, the way that he plays. He likes to push up, push the team higher up the pitch, and he was crucial for them. But Yves Basuma in that cover role was very important as well. Definitely. I'm stunned that United didn't make an offer for him because he seems like the perfect guy for United's midfield. We'll, we'll touch on United in a later pod, but yeah, <laughs> Brighton, enjoy him while you have him because the big guys are going to come calling fast for Yves Basuma. However, they have a lot of talents coming up in Brighton too, so let's touch on some wonder kids to watch now. First one we have up is Alexis McAllister, who's a central attacking midfielder. He should get a lot more game time this year, especially if Brighton does opt for this three midfield setup that I'm calling for them to do, as well as I wouldn't be stunned if he gets played on the wing a tiny bit more, especially because they have such a lack of depth at that spot right now. I wouldn't be stunned if they try and fit him in a little bit more there. But he's, again, very young. Uh, I think he's 23 or 24 at the moment. Mid- midfielder was fairly highly rated when they when they first got him. Hasn't done much with them at this point. But I still feel like there's some great attacking potential with him, as well as having a midfield of Alexis McAllister, Yves Basuma, and Enoch Mwepu. That would be one of the, one of the most deadly midfields in the Premier League, I'd say. And I think McAllister is a natural successor to Pascal Gross for when he uh, loses his spot in this team. I think that 
him and Gross play very similar styles, but McAllister a little bit more involved defensively, which I think will provide a lot of balance because I've already mentioned, uh, or sorry, we've already mentioned Mwepu's ability offensively and defensively, but, you know, I think unleashing him to play a little bit more offensive would help. And if Alexis McAllister can really break onto the scene this season and solidify that role, provide a little bit more defensive solidity, it unlocks Mwepu's ability to go forward. Mm-hmm. Now let's take a moment to talk about probably the most fun Brighton player last season, other than Eves uh, Wasuma, Tariq Lamptey. He's a guy with five foot four, really small guy, but with pace to burn. He'll he was in charge of the wing, of the right wing for Brighton last season and up until his injury, but he should be back again this year and hopefully build on last year's campaign. I wouldn't be surprised if England start to come calling, but if they don't. Expect Ghana to really, really push for him siding with, with the Ghanaian national team for the future. Lamptey's a pace merchant. He absolutely is, but he's also not afraid to dribble with the ball, and he's a very accomplished dribbler as well. He's so crucial to how Brighton liked to play, and you saw a dip in form after his injury goes down. You really worry, though, with a hamstring injury. I know he's young, but hamstring injuries on a guy who has pace to burn, it, it's always a little bit suspect that it could go again, and you don't, you don't really want to see hamstring injuries ruin a player's career like it could. And, you know, Lamptey has so much potential, and I just hope that he's able to fulfill it. But he's, he's crucial, and I don't know if I would call him a wonder kid, but uh, he's definitely one to watch out for this season. He's a teenager. I put him in because he's a teenager. <laughs> um, but something I even thought about and haven't talked to you about this at all, so it's going to be a genuine reaction. What if Grandpa gets really experimental, puts him on left wing? He's definitely a right-sided player. I don't know how he would fit on the left side, but you could move Trotard to the other side and play Lamptey up front. I just don't think that he has the finishing that Brightner looking for. He's much more of that creative facilitator, though it seems like Brighton have three creative facilitators and no finisher. Mm-hmm. I was more thinking he's right-footed, put him on the left side, cut in. But as you said, the finishing isn't there. I was just going, he has pace to burn. Might as well throw a wrench into the plan. Um, but moving on, we have someone who Scott recommended, Leo Ostergaard. So Declan, would you like to talk a little bit about him? Yeah, the Norwegian defender. I don't think he, he makes many people's list, but I, I think that he's one of the favorites to break through this season. He's got a lot of plaudits for his work with Coventry. And while Coventry didn't have the best season finishing 16th in the championship last season, it was Ostergaard who really helped them stay afloat and stay in the division. He was solid defensively, but he built a lot on his play with the ball. And, you know, with Ben White leaving and that hole in the defense for a ball playing midfielder, I think Ostergaard fits it perfectly. But also keep in mind, he's a, really solid defender and I think will only benefit from playing under players or playing with players like Lewis Dunk at St. Pauli, the St. Pauli, the season before he led the team with the most blocks, the most clearances and won the most aerial duels. So he's no slouch. He's six foot four and a player that has performed very well in preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little run out in the squad, especially early on while Lamptey's still out and Veltman has to play on that right wing. So I think that it will be interesting to see if Leo Ostergaard can cement his name and kind of push Veltman out of the squad. Mm -hmm, Definitely one to watch. But moving on to our final segment, stoppage time. 
this is going to be a rapid fire prediction round where each of us gets 60 seconds to answer as many prompts as possible. The first one is call your shot. This is going to be pick a random weird wacky thing that you think is going to happen. For instance, in the Arsenal pod, Declan had the prediction that I think is a lock to come true. Bakayo Saka scoring a goal, running to the corner flag, and some fan ch- chucking a inflatable unicorn at him. Book that. That's happening. <laughs> and the other one is the continent, which is going to be for the worst disciplinary record. Two points for red card, one point for yellow cards. Declan, are you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Finishing position. Mid-table. Top scorer. Um, well, Danny Welbs. Top assister. Impuemu. Standout performer. Impuemu. Breakthrough prospect. Ostergaard. Call your shot. Graham Potter, after beating Crystal Palace, runs onto the field doing a bird celebration because they went they scored in the 90th minute to win. <laughs> I love that. And the Contina. Eves Basuma. Ooh, mean to Eves. And John, it's your turn now. You ready? Yep. Go. Finishing position. Relegation fight. Top scorer. Neil Mope. Top assister. Trossard. Standout performer. Enoch Mwepu. Breakthrough prospect. Leo Ostergaard. Call your shot. As a goal celebration, one of the Brighton players is going to chuck Tyreek Lamptey to another, to another Brighton player. <laughs> I love that. And the Cantona. The Cantona is going to go to... Veltman. Hmm. I'm surprised neither of us said Neil Morpai. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. The guy, the guy's a loose cannon. He is. <laughs> I'm not even going to defend that. Probably should have said it, to be honest. <laughs> but that's going to do it for the show today. Make sure you check out our other show we posted. This time, it's going to be about the bees, Brentford FC. And stay tuned tomorrow as we're going to be talking about Burnley and Chelsea. So you won't want to miss that. Make sure you keep an eye on the Mastermind site's website for all your tactical breakdowns and great articles ahead of the season. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to give us a five-star rating as it really helps the podcast grow. And thank you very much for listening.